Welcome to the Living Out Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Steele, and I help gay men realize what's possible by exploring their gifts and passions to live out the best of who they are. But this podcast is for everyone. Of course, I go into LGBTQ rights and issues. I talk about things like social justice and thinking more critically and deeply about what's happening in the world right now and personal growth as a means to make ourselves better people, not because there's something wrong with us, but because when we improve ourselves, we can improve the world around us. So I want to do something like a memoir today, a little trip down memory wall, memory wall, a little trip down memory lane, but you know, it could be a wall in a sense, like as I sit here at my desk doing this recording, I have a a bit of a vision wall right in front of me, and I used to have it on the wall to my left, and I never saw it enough. Now, since 75% of the time when I'm working, I'm at my writing desk with a window right in front of me, and I have pictures of my wall, of, of things that mean something important to me that I'm, I'm striving for in the work that I do. But we almost have a wall of memory, in a sense, more, more than a trip down memory lane, I guess you could call it. At least when I close my eyes, it's like I have a screen, uh, a projection of whatever I'm looking back upon in my life. So I want to go back in time to when I first came out in 1984, 1985, and I'm calling this the good old days of meeting men for sex at a gay bar, and how it used to be so much easier, or maybe I was just easy. So have a good laugh. I'm hoping that this will entertain, but also enlighten in a sense of where we were, how things have changed, and what the world is like today in a primarily online using apps kind of experience to to network, to meet men for dating, to meet somebody within the LGBT community. But most of the meeting these days tends to happen online. And I'm just thinking of something I saw on Netflix yesterday. And it was two young men in California that were on the reality TV show, and it was really cute. They're like, well, it's the age-old story of how we met online. And I thought, that is such a generational difference than mine, because I'm 53. So like I said, I came out in the 80s, in 1984, a time when I remember the music of New Wave and David Bowie singing 1984, which was kind of a... A different picture he had of what that era would have been like than it actually was. So when I was 19, and I had been going out to gay bars already for about six months, this would have been 1985, it was a warm summer night, and I remember leaning against a post by the dance floor at the Bar 101, 101 Jarvis Street in Toronto, otherwise known as the Rock and Roll Fag Bar. I was sipping a beer, I was enjoying the music, and watching the men. And this beautiful, beautiful man sauntered up to me with a grin that said, I want to taste you. And, you know, 19, horny, summer, hot, and just a few pleasantries were exchanged, and, you know, we were practically on each other. 
And then he pressed himself up against me and literally tried to tongue the pole behind my head through the back of my mouth. And not long after that, of course, we went back to his place where we spent the night having sex. Oh, it was so much easier back then in the 80s, or at least it seems to have been long before dating apps, before computers and online dating and hookup websites, and and still long before even telephone dating personals preceded online hookup sites and then eventually dating apps on mobile technology. I remember in the 80s, there were more gay bars in Toronto than I can even recall. There was even a book that was published by a well-known Toronto DJ, and I think she still DJs, but she was she was DJing around at the time who documented all of the different bars and the amount of gay bars of influence. were It was really staggering compared to what's left now. But I have such fond memories of the men and the dancing and the music and just, you know, coming out into that, you know, experience literally flowering as a gay man. And I loved the 80s, you know, but waxing nostalgic doesn't bring, bring back those days. And things like using poppers for the very first time, which was, I guess, the dance drug du jour, other than maybe cocaine, which I never did. Hot summer nights, walking down the street in Toronto, picking somebody up at 1am in the morning, you know, Anal sex was done with a Vaseline because it wasn't until a year later we were told that we needed condoms and water-based lubricant. So much has changed when it comes to how we meet people, and not just for sex, and not only just for gay men or LGBT people. It was sometime around 1990, and if not just before, a company in Toronto started a telephone classified service for, you know, the buying and selling of 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 goods like, you know, an old typewriter or maybe a camera and looking for roommates and little known to the company, there was like a miscellaneous section, kind of like, you know, maybe they had like press one for looking for a roommate or press two for selling household furniture. And and they had a final option was like for miscellaneous and people began using the miscellaneous section to meet other people for sex and dates. And there were obviously some really smart people in that company who realized they could monetize this. And soon after, they launched one of the first telephone dating personal systems. I actually am pretty sure that this Canadian company was the first to set this trend and and, and create this niche business. And many other companies birthed to do the same. And when I started working for Pink Triangle Press first in Ottawa in 1993, I then took on uh, some of the assistants and eventually moved to Toronto, where I managed and became what was called the audio text director of Pink Triangle Press from 1997 to 2004, when I managed Cruise Line, which was the dating personals telephone system for men to meet other men or bisexuals or transgender. And the phone number was 416-966-ORAL. 966-9725. I believe 9725 spelled ORAL. Now, in the summer of 1990, um, 
sorry, not the summer of 1990, in the summer of 2000, um, I brought home my company laptop to do some research on this company I'd heard about, gay.com. I needed to find out if this online site was in any way a threat to the cruise line telephony dating service. And it was funny how things worked out because I started talking to this very sexy younger man who happened to be in Poland at the time on vacation. But his home was just outside of Toronto. And a month later, when he returned, we met. And how predictable. After dinner, I brought him home and we fucked our brains out. But of course, this time it was with condoms and water-based lubricant. Uh, It wasn't very long, but we were lovers for two years And we remain such good, close friends to this day. Now, it wasn't very long after that, there was a proliferation of online dating sites. Manhunt.net, DudesNew.com. I can't even think of all the names, many of which have, you know, disappeared from the online space. And the commodification of online desire began. You could find sites for muscle men only, bears, twinks, bareback only, older daddies, and everything that you could imagine. And so this brings us to about present day. I'm, I can't remember exactly when the first apps began to appear on mobile phones. I think I was a little late to the game on that. And that started to make certain websites obsolete um, and geographic whoring so much easier (laughs) you know you would you would open up your app and basically it's telling you hey there's a hot guy who's only 325 feet away or maybe 150 meters away he could arrive at your door in less time than it would take to order and wait for a pizza yeah can you imagine dialing the phone saying okay would you like pepperoni with that Mm -hmm. mm-hmm Any hot Italian sausage or maybe a big Polish sausage? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll give you a really big tip if you bring your buns to my door. Like, oh, my goodness. I remember having so much fun making jokes about this with friends. You know, dating apps certainly became a major disruption to the economic model of going out to the bars and meeting people, you know. I think the heyday of gay bars, at least in Toronto, began to decline in the early 2000s. You know, bar owners in the Toronto Gay Village certainly noticed a big decline in patronage, and certainly it was talked about in some of the local gay newspapers. And it used to be that going out to a bar or a club was one of the few safe places to meet other gay men, and not counting public cruising spaces, which is also dramatically declined over the years, or gay groups and organizations. It was people became lazy because technology made it easy for them to stay home and not have to spend any money on drinks or going out on a date or cover at a bar. You could just order in. And along came things like Scruff and Grindr. Grindr as an app is the one I'm most familiar with that For various reasons, I found sort of the the way it spoke to me spoke to me better than other apps. And I don't know if it's still termed this way, but maybe eight months ago or so, it was labeled online on their website as 
the world's largest social networking app for gay, bi, trans, and queer people. Chat, make friends, and meet up. Whether or not that's exactly what happens is another story. You see, for me, Grinder has had a huge distracting effect in my own life. And it's it's relatively simple. It's kind of like kryptonite to me. Grinder, mobile te- technology, the ping that you have a new message or notification, social media notifications of any kind are designed to give you these quick little hits, these rushes of dopamine micro doses of feel good. I wanted somebody sent me a message, whether that be on a dating app or somebody liking your post on Instagram or Facebook, it's this, oh, I better go check. Something about me has been said. So it's a strange little app for me and my own mindset and knowing myself and how do I respond to it because I took the app off my phone a couple of weeks ago. It's something that I sometimes enjoy using and each time I use it, I try to improve myself and how I communicate or relate to other people online because it's a very difficult thing. And the Pareto principle applies to using an app like Grindr or any highly addictive social media app that is designed to keep you online. It's like I like it 20% of the time, the other 80% of the time is just a waste of time, or it's very frustrating. Now, I've been a very sexual person for a large part of my gay male adult life. Since about 45, I'll be honest, my mojo started to slow down. It's like, oh, this is what it feels like as we get older. But I've always had something about enjoying sex and enjoying the celebration of sex with another man as, as, as a part of who I am, not my sole identity, but it's reassuring to know that I have the freedom to have sex with another man, that I have the freedom to have sex and make love with my partner. And it's not every time do I think about this, but it's certainly a celebration of who I am that I get to have this. When just using the app, though, for a little bit of fun on the side, or a little bit of fun that my partner and I can have together with a third, it's that 80% that's so frustrating. You know, I've witnessed a lot of change in my life, and especially in my 35-ish years being out of the closet. And especially these changes from meeting men in in bars only to eventually online and now primarily on apps. Now, when you meet someone in person, what happens? You have to talk to them. You see them. You have to socialize. You relate with body language. You notice what they do and and how they sound. You see them. You hear them. you, You pick up all kinds of subconscious observational cues about who they are. And there may be many things you don't or won't know about them until you actually spend more time with them, like going out on a date or maybe having sex. But when you meet someone on an app or online, it's pure commodification of desire, like going to the grocery store. 
into the chips aisle and being able to pick from a variety of different types of chips, but it's the general category for chips. You know, you, you, you select a man online like you would even order those groceries. Do you want white, black, Asian, or other, short, medium, or tall, blonde, brown, black hair, or bald, blue, green, or hazel eyes, clean, shaven, scruffy, bearded, smooth, moderate, or hairy, skinny, slim, muscular, or chubby, top, bottom, versatile, HIV, negative, positive, on prep, or not on prep, non-specific action and activity, coffee, dates, networking only, friends only, looking for a relationship, now, later, small, medium, large, XL, or holy fuck, I can't get that in me. The list goes on. And and on an app like Grindr, you often get to see it all before you even get to do the deed. Somebody sends you a picture and, well, there it is all hanging out between their legs. Um, and that might be their asshole. Uh, <laughs> sometimes you get to see pictures that you just don't want to see. And I, I, you know, think sometimes from my own experience, somebody has sent me a picture of their ass and it's like, well, that is a beautiful ass, but, no pun intended, but, get it? Um, what's the rest of you look like? You know, I might be looking for sex, but I still want to see the whole person. I still want to know if you're a nice person or if you're as much of an asshole as the butt picture you sent me. It's one of these things that people have taken, I think, too far to one side with sending too many pictures without first asking, you know, what are you looking for or saying hello or doing just even a little bit of engagement to find out, should you even bother sending me these pictures because maybe I'm not either into you or I'm not into what you want me to be into? It's like you're forcing your desires and fantasies upon me before I've communicated to you that that would be a waste of your and my time. And images, lighting, camera angles, how people tend to make things bigger, like, you know, those uh, mirrors on the driver's side or on the passenger side of the car with a little warning that says, some objects in the mirror may be smaller than they appear. People who put up pictures that are 15 years old. It's a really challenging environment. It's a place that it's very easy not to speak the truth. It's a place to play with fantasy, which is great and wonderful, unless the fantasy comes to the door and the reality is so far from that depiction that, you know, you just have to go whack off to some porn. <laughs> so, in some ways, it does seem harder if you're just looking to hook up today than it ever was. And this is probably a trend before things self-correct in some way, before people get too tired of this or somebody comes along and figures out a better way of making this all happen. You know, and at least this is how it seems to me. And I am just as much to blame as the next person. I've been conditioned by these technologies to see desire through a filter like the list I was describing above. And when we filter things, we can modify things. You know, when I first came out, 
Yeah, there was always the possibility of that initial attraction, seeing somebody across the way, across the dance floor, and, and thinking they're hot. And other times, somebody would approach me, and I hadn't noticed them, and we'd have a conversation, and I'd become interested with conversation. Maybe I was attracted to them, but I would have never gone up and talked to them. Maybe I was attracted to them, but not enough to say, oh yeah, let's have some fun. But then I got to know them, and their energy got me excited. And If you read anything about psychology and the psychology of choice, we are presented in this world with so many choices that we get analysis paralysis. We don't make a choice anymore because we have too many choices. And there are so many choices and options on a dating app. Then you scroll and you're like, well, this guy's hot. I'll send him a message. This guy's hot. I'll send him a message. And then you've got two or three messages from people. And you're like, oh, I don't know. This guy wants to hook it up right now. But this guy, oh, he's so much hotter, but he's not available till later. Should I wait? And then you go around and then nothing ever happens. You have a list of possibilities, but you're waiting for the one that you've been chatting with for the last 30 minutes or days, and and nothing ever happens. It's literally like what's missing from the app is that possibility of when someone comes up and talks to you in real life, you give them your focus and your attention, and... I wonder if it would be an interesting feature to have on an app. It's like, oh, I'm interested in speaking to this person. I'm going to press a button now that says exclusive chat, and you'll no longer receive any messages from anyone else that's on the app until you've decided to release yourself from that space of exclusive conversation, because maybe you want to find out if this is the person you want to meet today or go out on a date with. And it's funny, one of the other challenges with this day and age is PrEP, the pre-exposure prophylaxis. And having come out in 1984 when AIDS was not called AIDS or HIV, it was a grid, and literally a year to a year and a half later, then AIDS got its name, <clears throat> I first have started having sex without condoms, because that wasn't a concept. And I had sex, anal sex with Vaseline. I was a top only at that time. And then going through, you know, a solid 15, 20 years of of condoms and an absolute fear of getting HIV, a healthy feel, fear of getting HIV and being very careful, being very smart and wearing condoms and always requesting it and then seeing things change over the time and then seeing bug chasers, people advertising wanting bareback sex and then the rise of drugs in the gay community and and so on and so on. And then finally a few years ago, like PrEP coming out and then suddenly there's this community of gay men that are, some are very cognizant of the fact that they say, hey, you know, I'm on prep, so I, I I would prefer to have, you know, bareback sex, but I'm also cool if you'd rather have sex with a condom. Whether or not you're positive or negative or have a so-called undetectable viral load. But for myself, I prefer to still use condoms. I prefer not to take medication unless I absolutely have to. So I make that choice. Now I'm starting to encounter men online who will say, oh, you're not on prep? Or, oh, I'm on prep. I only get fucked bare. Oh, you want to use condoms? 
well, I only do bareback. And then that's the end of the conversation. Or I've had people give me shit for not wanting to fuck them bare. Or constantly at me, it's like, oh, I want to breed your ass. It's like, well, that's never going to happen. <laughs> so it's an interesting landscape that has changed dramatically on certain levels and has stayed the same on other levels. There's a lot of Maybe even more so online because it's easier to have this distance. It's easier to hold an image in the palm of your hand with a description and to create more sexual objectification of that, that picture, that person you're imagining. And that's not limited to the gay community or any part of the LGBTQ larger community. You know, there's, there's elements in the act of seeking sex that make us feel better about ourselves, that may be a way of dealing with our internalized shame, or in the case of many gay men, internalized gay shame for having felt like we were not acceptable as human beings. And, you know, sex sells. This is what makes people continually pay that monthly or annual fee for an app like Grindr or anything else. I don't believe for a minute that any of these apps have a, a deeply moral mission of bringing us closer together for humanitarian reasons. That was something that Grinder was trying to promote online with their kinder Grinder, and they had an online magazine uh, called Into that they just all of a sudden out of the blue shut down, and they're now owned by a Chinese corporation, which doesn't have a really, China doesn't have a great track record when it comes to human rights and especially LGBTQ rights. So it's a really big question. Also, when they were caught selling data and they promised the users they would not be doing that, it's a really big question to ask yourself, why do you want to support something like Grindr to a, a, a company that is making money off of the LGBTQ and most likely primarily the gay male community in a country that doesn't espouse rights for who we are. I think what's important is to look at, if you're as old as I am, <laughs> how things have changed as a way of understanding how you can be a better version of yourself first. And that's not a judgment. That's not me saying, hey, this is how you need to live your life. It's just that we we may often, I have done this, complain a lot about, about not finding the one. But that problem starts from within ourselves. I believe if we want something meaningful, we first have to project it and be meaningful to ourselves and others. We'll see that. So what's next for sex? <laughs> I, I can only imagine. I'm not a tech person. I, what's going to come next? What will the landscape of meeting other people be like in the next five to ten years? Will sex become entirely virtual? People just sitting at home in chairs with, you know, visors on? That's ultimately quite safe, but it's no human connection that would make us a very dull 
sad and depressed society. There's nothing better than the real thing, which is making me thirsty. Want to join me for a pint of ale down at the local gay watering hole if there's one still open near you? Thanks for listening. And on the next podcast, I'm going to take this one step further and talk more about dating apps, but how we can communicate better with other people on dating apps. Because I think if you've used any kind of app, if you haven't been unpleasant to someone yourself, you've certainly been on the receiving end of it. Thank you for listening. And as always, live out and live proud.